0: Hello and you're welcome along. Very happy once again here in Virgin Media to kick off our Six Nations coverage. And the 2022 edition promises much. For Ireland, daunting trips ahead to London and Paris. But this Irish team, it seems, really starting to find their feet under Andy Farrell. To discuss all, we're joined in studio by Rob Carney, Matt Williams and Alan Quinlan. Gents, great to have you with us. Rob, welcome to The Dark Side. You're, uh, you're one of us now. Officially over. Yes. Thanks for having
1: me. Friendship's never, into the fire. I never thought I'd see the day.
0: <laughs> well, you're very welcome. Great to have you with us for the Thank tournament. Uh, Matt, Six Nations, for those of us who love sport and rugby in particular, this is uh, a bridge into springtime, all the traditions, the familiar grounds and yeah. cities. It's lovely to have it along.
2: Yeah, I'm a great lover of the Six Nations. From the time I was a boy in Australia, we would... We had very little international rugby. We'd look forward to this all year. We'd watch our heroes on TV and talk about it on the, on the day, next day. They'd just be an hour special. And, you know, everyone, if, if Jean-Pierre Reus was playing, everyone left their hair long. If, you know, if it, were, if it was one of the great Welsh players, someone would try to grow moustaches, you know. It was, uh, it was just the pinnacle of, of world rugby before the World Cup. And since then, I think it's even got better. I think, I think it is, without doubt, the greatest tournament in the world. And we, we do love it each year,
0: yeah. Mm. Rob, can I ask you, for Ireland then, with the view... I mean, just to mention the World Cup in a whisper. We're not going to mention it every week over the next uh, couple of weeks. But with the World Cup coming into view, what's a good year for Ireland across, say, this Six Nations and maybe let's encompass the New Zealand Tour as well as uh, markers that would suggest to you that Ireland are going in a really good direction?
1: Yeah, well, I think certainly, as a squad, they won't be looking past the Six Nations. I think they've set themselves such a high benchmark now in November... With that win over New Zealand, you know, as probably as good a performance as, we, as we've seen from an Irish side sure. in a number of years. So, I think before results, performance need to be at that level again. That's the benchmark that they set. Mm. Uh, if they can get one away win in France or England, a pretty good result too. So. You'd hope maybe four wins will be a good result. If they can take a scalp down in New Zealand, that'll be especially good. It's mm. going to be very different down there in the summer mm. than the New Zealand we faced here in November. So, you know, you'd expect them to win all their home games. Yeah. If they can pick up an away win, yeah, yeah, it would be a really good result.
0: Well, we were chatting around Bath-Leinster and you said something very similar. Yeah. A win in London or Paris... One win, without winning the series, one win in New Zealand and everything's in lovely shape ahead of the World Cup.
2: I think that's a great six months. Yeah. Phenomenal six months. Uh, I think we've got to keep it in in perspective too. France are probably regarded as the best team in the world at the moment, even though the New Zealand team they defeated were very fatigued, they have been in COVID for very months, so we have to keep all that in area. But let's take out who's the best. They're they're a leading team. Mm. So to win in Paris will be exceptionally difficult. It's not beyond us. It's not beyond Ireland to do it, but but it's going to be hard. I think they can certainly win in London. I think that's, that's the big opportunity. All their home games, the, the record at the Aviva is phenomenal. I expect that to remain. Mm. And if they can pick that up and the first test in New Zealand, but I agree with Rob, the team aren't looking at New Zealand. They're just, they're just sure. here with the Six Nations. Care to differ, Alan, with any of those views? I don't think it's a
3: necessity to win... Um... X amount of games. I think we had, uh, obviously, in 2018, we had an exceptional year, Grand Slam, won in Australia, um, a series there, beat New Zealand in in November. And we thought we were in a brilliant position going to the World Cup. It changed that first English game in in 2019. That kind of changed everything. Mm. It set a a kind of a template to beat that Ireland team. So... uh, (laughs) winning three tests in New Zealand or winning one of the tests in New Zealand I think is very attainable and achievable and I think, of course, they've got a their target will probably win a series down there Um, but... It's not all about winning this time. I've changed tact a little bit. Before, it was all about winning. (laughs) It's about getting right and progressing and playing good brand of rugby and making sure they're really competitive in every game.
0: Okay, very interesting. Well, without further ado, let's hear from the Irish camp themselves then. uh, Coming off this brilliant autumn series, they've had some warm weather training in Portugal over the past week or so. Here is the Ireland head coach and captain
4: oh uh, if you 're not nervous um, uh, you be, you'd be a liar i would uh, i would have thought uh, look this this is where it 's at the six nations uh, the, the championship is 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 absolutely fantastic and i, I think I think it's it 's it's, it's the best competition um, of the year um, there 's no doubt about that in my mind. I think the southern hemisphere don 't quite understand what, what it means to us all all the rivalries and everything that goes with it and makes it extra special so um, This is the place to be, it's where you want to be, it's where you want to be to to be able to test yourself whether you be a player or a coach. Whatever has happened coming into this tournament, I think it's irrelevant. Uh, I think it's irrelevant. It's about how we prepare best to to be at our best on Saturday and that matters. That's what what the Six Nations is all about. It's about the squad. Everyone's going to take part. Um, This for us is over the um, course of an eight-week period, you know, Um, there's there's a few breaks in between. So everyone's going to play the part throughout this competition.
5: Yeah, look, I think there's there's probably a rivalry in almost every game in their in their own you know unique way. And uh, you know, with us in Wales, there there has been big battles over the years. Um, you know, a lot of the the rivalry. I think in my early days, especially, there was there was a there was a master side to it. I think now it's it's you know when you you talk about rivalries in sport, you know. Leinster, Munster, all the provinces we have that rivalry and it's because you don't like losing to the guys closest to you so um, there's probably a little bit of an element to that with the Welsh boys that they get on so well with the Irish boys on Lions tours and you know after games and and yeah when you've got relationships like that you don't want to lose to the people you're close to but um not all the rivalries are like that. Some of them you're just not close to the other people, and you want to you want to beat them. Look, we were in, I said this last week at the captain's lunch. We're in a very similar position to we were in November. We, you know, not a hell of a lot of game time in in most of the lads. It's not an excuse, or it's not a something that we spoke about. When you come in the door of Irish camp, you're expected to hit certain standards, and the guys that are doing it and training day in day out will be the guys that are picked for the weekend, and the guys that don't won't. and and, and that's the. That's, that's it, really, in a nutshell.
0: There we are, Johnny Sexton and Andy Farrell. Now, let's take a look at the team Andy Farrell has picked to go out against Wales. We'll start with the forwards. Matt, you can talk us through the thinking here. Second row catches the eye, obviously.
2: Yeah, well, that that front row, Porter, Killeher, Furlong, have just been phenomenal in their ball carrying, their ability to pass, and, and they're playing... Like backs, you know, they're, they're, they're just not just their ball carry, not just their physicality, it's their skills as well. You come back in there, Burn has first forced his way into that team by absolute performance for Munster, his ability over the ball. James Ryan's had a, a tough rug with injuries, but deserves his spot there. That is a very, very skillful and powerful type five. And then, again, the uh, back row there that performed so well in November. Conan playing absolutely brilliant rugby. Doris back to his best. And Josh, Josh you know, bringing his game to another level. That is an excellent pack that is laying down the foundation for a very dynamic back line as well.
0: OK, let's move on to the backs then. Rob, you can give us your thoughts here. No Henshaw is what jumps out. We're presuming some kind of injury given the brilliant form he's been in.
1: Yeah, but how amazing is it to be able to bring in some of the calibre of Bondiaki? You know, first off, you see Gibson Park and the impact that he made in November in terms of the tempo that he's brought to the game, which, you know, gives Sexton more time on the ball to make his decisions that split second few earlier. Ringrose is in very good form at the moment as well with leinster so all of these guys are playing very well conway keenan superb
0: and then the other big call of course and it's taken people by surprise i think is 23 year old mac hansen gets the start
1: it's the big surprise isn't it and, and that's the selection that that most people's eyes are going to be drawn towards you know it's a big opportunity for him he's not in the country a huge amount of time but some of his form for Connacht over the last year has been really good There'll be some question marks maybe about his defensive capabilities and no better way than international rugby to, to exploit that in a player. So a, a
0: huge weekend for him. Yeah, we'll come back to Hansen in a moment. Alan, here are the replacements then.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's no great surprise, I think. Um, you know, Sheehan has been exceptional for Leinster. The impact, Keane Healy, his experience and Finley Beelum. I think offers offers that solidity there at tight head. With Henderson out, Ryan Baird comes in. What a player to bring in. I think we have a real impact here. And O'Mahony's played well this year. So no great surprises there. Um, And a lot of impact on that bench, I think, which is really important for Ireland. James Hume, I think, gets the nod over, over probably Keith Earls would have been what what people are thinking there? Um, Hansen caught everyone su- by surprise, as Rob said. But he's he must have trained really well. I think James Hume deserves a crack, and the way he's
0: played for Ulster in the last few months has been exceptional. Uh, Matt Hansen is 23 years of age. Irish mother arrived from the Brumbies. Nine games and six tries thus far for Connacht. Rob mentioned maybe a few defensive concerns. I felt in the build of this game we were on the cusp of uh, Balakoon. Getting the nod, but it is Mac Hansen. So, give us your thoughts, Matt.
2: An interesting one. Um, I I was a bit surprised with the selection, but I I, I agree with Robbie's comments. He's played very well when he's in for Connat, you know, and especially with the ball in hand, he's a a dynamic runner, got great feet. I, I didn't know if he has the defensive qualities required for international level. Now coaches are a lot closer to the players than we are and they would have seen him at training and made that decision. But it's, it's good luck to him. He, falls, he follows in the footsteps of uh, Brian Smith, Matty Moston uh, and probably Keith Gleeson, Australian, Irish like myself. So I feel I really feel for the guy and I hope he plays well. I hope he comes out and has a good game.
3: He's it's, deceptively quick, isn't he? he, he, he and did a good some footballer. R-
2: exactly, Quinny. And he did some really good things for Connett. They, they weren't just like, on the end of the line, I had to put yeah. the ball down. He did some really But he must have, Matt
3: trained really well with Ireland and caught the eye. Yeah. And I think the concern with the defensive stuff, which...
0: And do you share uh, those concerns on defence?
3: Well, it's different. International rugby is different. Mm-hmm. You don't get a chance, you know, and we saw what happened to James Lowell last year and everyone was delighted the way he responded. I think what they'll try and do is get him into the defensive system with Ireland. That's Simon Easterby's job and get him right early and... I think he's a real confidence player and he's a fella who looks like he just loves playing rugby and if he gets opportunities, um, he could be very, very dangerous and a real asset to this team. But the defensive stuff, and Rob, you know better than anyone, you've got to get that right in the back three.
1: Yeah, I think a real point of difference for him is he will offer himself up for carries a huge amount of the game and that's something that James Lowe did very well. He'd pop up all over the field. And maybe they're somewhat trying to replicate, like, with like, in terms of well, that.
0: It's, it's funny. Farrell was asked last November about Lowe, and they, that point was made that he comes, he pops up everywhere, and almost in a very Unschmidt-like Farrell way. Farrell said, "I don't want tidy wingers. I want, I want messy wingers." So maybe that's the, the thought process as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, one of the the mantras of of this team at the moment has been comfortable being uncomfortable. And that will mean wherever the phase of play goes, wherever the ball, you react to the style of game that's going. We try and avoid this structure at the moment. Mm. And guys like him, you know, you give them that rain to pop up in different places and, and allow them to use and his foot. the game is gone now,
3: the more footballers you can get in the team, the better. OK, because so are you generally approving of this? Yeah, well, if yeah. you yeah. look at Porter, yeah. Keller, or Furlong, we have a front row that can play ball. Now you're getting more guys who are comfortable with making carries mm. I think that's what it's about—the way this team want to play.
2: I, th- I think the one thing Ireland will definitely miss, as Robbie pointed out to me beforehand, was how how wonderful James Lowe left foot was, and and not replacing a left a left foot kicker uh, that we can see with a right foot kicker. I, I think is a problem for Ireland. They, they don't, but they just don't have any other left footers. Robbie in the in their uh, in their squad with Lowe out.
1: Yeah, correct, and and that's. It's going to be a big question mark for how they exit. Yeah. You
2: know,
0: one is, of the reasons. Is, is that, is, that is not something I think the average person is, is thinking who's a left footed player in there. It's amazing. You thought that's very important. As a left footer yourself, of course.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> you'd, you'd always know, you know, more often than not, your left winger is going to be a left footer, you know, historically. So they're the guys who play, who play there. You know, so one of the reasons we've fallen back in love with this Irish team is they've moved away from the box kick mm. somewhat. And you still have to exit from your own 22. So instead of box kicking, they were using James Lowe a huge amount on that November series. Mm. You know, kick it long, get a good kick chase. That is going to be a real interesting area Maybe over the four, next few weeks. James Lowe replace. was
3: Stockdale and you had Zeebo and you, traditionally you had that left f- um, footer who could clear the lines. Okay. More so off scrums and stuff, wasn't it, for that
0: wiper-type kick to get you some distance? But, one of the areas that seems to have really improved is the all-round ability of various players to carry the ball. We've got some examples here on footage. I know just chatting to you guys during the week, it was something, Rob, you picked out as one of, you know, one of the, the great quantum leaps, I suppose, in the performances over the last 12 months or so.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you know the, this team now is so much more comfortable with the ball in hand. They're comfortable going 10, 15 phases. And they're getting to the edges an awful lot more. And the main reason for that is they're getting insanely quick ball because they're winning the collisions, they're getting over the line, the gain line, the speed of ruck has improved enormously. And that just improves your whole game how you want to play. Mm. The, the rock is the heartbeat of the game. And if you can get quick ball there, it just makes back's life so much easier.
0: I wonder as well, I mean, the impact of O'Connell probably can't be overstated. One suspects he was very much a disciple of Joe Schmidt and Schmidt's obsession with uh, detail at the breakdown. And that seemed to slip. And it does feel like that area has improved since he's come on board with the coaching staff. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing a little bit from the outside, but it does feel that way.
1: Yeah, it certainly looks that way from the outside too. You know, when Paul came in, there was a distinctive change in the speed of our ruck ball. And I think anyone who's been coached with Joe down through the years instinctively just take on the big components of how he tried to coach his
2: teams. Can I, and I'd take it a, a step. Before you get to the ruck, mm. if you are running onto the ball at pace and you receive the ball flat and you use footwork, it makes the ruck much easier because you're, 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 you're dominating that space. And one of the other aspects of the last six months with this Irish side... We have stopped seeing the forwards being stationary when they catch the ball. Mm. The forwards and that's are...
3: down to shape, isn't it? The a, shape has improved dramatically. A, absolutely.
2: And it's been a change, uh, a, 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 quite a radical change. All for the better, by the way. All for the better, and, all, and we're very supportive of it. And the way they've picked that side, to come back to Robbie's point, that means, we hope, they're going to play the same way, mm. with the same philosophy of a different shape, running with pace onto the ball that allows you to dominate, which gives you quick ball, which gives your backs more time to make decisions. All these things are related. Yes, It's sort of an environment rather than just one aspect. All of these
0: things add up to just so much more pace in the Irish game. Like you're talking about the dreaded box kick, slowing the game down. Everything you've all outlined there is about pace, pace, pace in the Irish play. The the
3: issue here, Joe, is what happens... If you're the opposition, how do you analyse this Irish team? Are you going to let them have time on the ball, space, um, have that efficiency at the breakdown... This Welsh team on Saturday are going to target that breakdown, um, slow it down. They've done it to us before, they've frustrated us. So we just have to temper the expectations a little bit, be confident, and I'm sure the Irish team will be confident. And when you come off brilliant performances like that, not just the All Blacks game, Japan, they were so ruthless and efficient, and Argentina as well. So they're in really good shape. But if you're the opposition playing Ireland now, you're going to try and unsettle them up front, be really physical and abrasive with them get in their faces and hope that they make mistakes and that if it breaks down then, well, you know what do they do? So I think Ireland have to... They don't necessarily have to play this really sharp attacking game. They've got to be direct at times. You said it about clearing out of your own half. They've still got a kick, but just be able to dog it out and then when the opportunities present, execute really well because they're going to f- feel a bit of a ferocious mm. hit from the Welsh who are complete underdogs. And I think that's the key for me in the Six Nations...
0: Can we cope with that pressure now that the expectation is high again? Yeah, it's a good point because, I mean, you think back to a year ago, Andy Farrell was under big pressure for a lot of the Six Nations and then almost uh, right at the death with the English performance calmed down all the doubts and the question marks. And then the way it blossomed in autumn was a little bit unexpected. Like, it it just seemed to arrive... You know, fully baked, ready to go. And there wasn't much for New Zealand to study in terms of footage to prepare no. for that Ireland match. Now, suddenly, the likes of Wales and all the other teams have a certain amount of tape on Ireland to really prepare. So there's almost, we're going to
2: road test this game plan a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Well, well somewhere between... The, the, the last game of the Six Nations last year in November, the, the, Farrell had a road to a Emmaus <laughs> <laughs> conversion. Yeah. And, and I'm delighted. Mm. It's, it's for the positive And he deserves credit and support for the decisions he's made. He th- saw the way Ireland was going, wasn't the, going in the direction he wanted, and he's made a radical change.
0: The other thing was Chum said, maybe this is an unfair thing to say, because you played with lots of great players, but it's hard to think of a front row in particular, but the forwards at large, with such a brilliant skill set on the ball, led by... Tyg Furlong, you know, chief playmaker out there. That does feel like a big change.
1: No, that's a fair assessment to make. I think, you know, we sometimes don't speak enough and credit Andrew Porter enough at what he's done in terms of moving over from tight head to that loose head side. You've got three powerful carriers there who can take on the line, but three guys who are very comfortable in the middle of those shapes playing a plus pass or playing a ball out the back mm. and they're running at full speed so they're a live option every time and you, you made a point earlier now that our forwards are running onto the ball well, that's improved skill set they're able to run onto the ball but still back their skill set have been able to throw the pass mm. out the back to the 10 pop it onto the forward outside them you know? mm. so you, you've got we've got a new breed of front row players they're, right yeah. they're
3: phenomenal without the ball as well the work rate is yeah. through the roof um, They'd just be a nightmare to run at. They're poachers at the, at the breakdown. They're reloading on their feet. They're making two, three tackles in one little sequence.
0: Mm.
3: Kelleher's ability to carry the ball as well and, and pace and guys. So they give a real impetus to this team and a real physical aggression that, that I think will... It kind of lays the platform. I know from playing in the back row, if you're front five or giving you those kind of hard yards and mm. opportunities, you run off them and you profit from them. And I think that's... But my cat deserves credit too. We yeah. talk a lot yeah. about... He came under huge criticism. You mentioned Andy Farrell. And I think that shape, it takes time to work it. And
0: it's bearing f- uh, fruition now. One last one, Matt. Uh, Johnny Sexton is in great form. Yep. 37 years of age. He's defying all expectations. Yep. Do you expect Joey Carby to start a game across the Six Nations?
2: I'd certainly hope he starts the Italy game.
0: That would mean Sexton wouldn't play for four weeks between games because it's yeah. the gap week.
2: Jo- Johnny, at this stage of his career... Um, has shown that he can have breaks and still come back and play okay. well. But you could have Sexton on the bench and give him twenty at the end, you know. Like, like yes, okay. But I, I think we need—you need to, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best. Let's hope Johnny gets through everything. Yeah. But what happens if he doesn't? Now, if Joey hasn't started a major test match, in what will that be? Uh, well, he started against Argentina. To be fair to him, but let's let's say a Six Nations is a lot more pressure than being mm. against, playing against Argentina. Is it enough of a test? He, yeah. Well, he needs it. But he, he, so you're caught onto this dilemma. The guys below, the Byrne brothers, uh, uh, Billy Burns and... and uh, uh, Yeah, ha- have not put their hands up to say, I want a crack at the title. Sure. So they're relying on Joey. And Joey's had this, inj- this terrible injury profile. Sexton's the one that's been turning up and delivering. So they've yeah. got to keep picking him because they've got to win games. It's not, it's not a charity. Your best, the best team goes out and wins. But they do have to, to manage a way to give Joey time and starts. Mm. And to me, that's the Italy game. And, we, and let, that's assuming that Johnny, and we all hope he does, keeps going. Because I thought Johnny was finished in 2019 and a, the champion he is, he's got up off the canvas and he's just playing great rugby again. I think Jack
3: oh. Harty might have a say in it as well. Yeah, sure. Because his form has been superb.
2: W- well, he, he has, and, and I hope Jack does well. I'm not wishing him poorly, Mm. but he hasn't taken his chances in the past. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. What about Wales, then? All
0: uh, logic suggests they are struggling and we can uh, come as close to writing them off as we might ever do. The regions are tanking. They had an average November. They have an injury list that would make Wayne Pivac cry. And yet, 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 it is Wales in the Six Nations. Champions twice in the last three years. You'd think we'd learn. Just before we show you the Welsh team, we might show you who's not around for the weekend because some 700 cap's worth of experience unavailable effectively to wayne pivac they can count themselves unlucky here matt to say the least
2: well you've got a couple of all-time great players for wales there haven't you uh,
3: i'm just glad he put the names up because if we were going through them it's it's unbelievable it
2: is incredible you know And, and um alan Wynne jones you know deserves so much credit for the courage he shows all the time, Kenny Owens, Fallatow. I mean, great, these are great players. Teperic North, a legend, uh, half-penny a legend, and, and you've got Navidi and, and uh, Lydia there. It's, it's a whole back row uh, uh, and, um, and more missing. Like that, that would knock around any team in the world. Um, but we've got to say, every time they pull on a scarlet jersey, these guys, they might be playing rubbish for their provinces but they pull on that scarlet jersey and they're different human beings. They, they play exceptional rugby and they've caught Ireland and other teams short year after year after year. We, we just have to step back and respect what they're going to do on Saturday and, not, and disregard that, that last slide almost mm. to say the people that will walk out in the scarlet jersey are going to give their all.
1: There's a big leadership void there too, isn't there? So you're losing a calibre of player... Yeah, first and foremost my biggest concern for this welsh team is, is is their leadership and dan biggers coming in it's his first time captaining the side a vice captain there who's got i think 20 odd caps so a lot of new people getting opportunities and sometimes it goes both ways they they take them they play out of their skin they perform really well but I come back to the leadership point. I think that's that's going to be a big component of this game.
0: OK, well, we might look at the team they do have. Alan, you can talk us through the forwards, first of all. Does this pack scare you? Um, <laughs> they're
3: athletic, I tell you. Jenkins, Basham and Wayne right in the back row will, will try and really cause Ireland problems um, at the breakdown. Will Rowlands, who's abrasive and strong, and Adam Baird can be very disruptive as well. But the front row you know Ken Owens is a big loss I just think he gives him great power in the scrum and you know Wynne Jones obviously was on the Lions tour as well and Francis has a lot of experience so there's a lot of good players there but I just think I agree with Rob just taking Ken Owens, Navidi, Falato, Tipperick Alan Wynne Jones very very hard to replace him but this is a dynamic pack that will try and really get in Ireland's faces and, and mix it with them and they're going to bring a lot of passion but it's not a forward pack that really would hugely concern me. Keep an eye out for Ten Basham, superb player at number okay. seven. Um, he, was, he was brilliant from in November and he's a he's a great
0: athlete, really young player. Okay. Matt, we might have a look at the back line then. What have they got here?
2: We've got some solid halves there. Obviously we know Dan Bigger very well and Williams at nine is, is uh, they've got a good partnership. It's it's probably the centers and the wingers here, you know, where we've got to say they've They've converted Adams into 13. Tompkins comes back into 12. They've got a history of converting their wingers into 13s. The defensive system is very, very different. I think that's a real question mark. McNichol and obviously Rhys Salmon had a great year last year on the wings, and Liam Williams. Well, you know he, he is a, a wonderful player and has been a great servant of Welsh rugby. But to me, it's that centre combination. That is, um, is something that I think Ireland can exploit, especially the channel outside the 13. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like you're all fairly unanimous here, that whilst you're, you're low to say it because of their record, you are all writing them off. We're afraid to say it because it'll make all the Welsh
3: headlines over the weekend yeah. <laughs> and we we'll make the dressing room on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on paper, it's a, it's a pretty weakened Welsh side. Yeah. So com- that, that's are you a com-
0: comfortable win for Ireland?
3: I think so, Um, and I think Ireland will expect a bit of ferocity from Wales, Um, they'll expect a kind of back-to-the-wall performance, our record is very good in Dublin against Wales, I think they can handle it this time, Mm. the Irish team will be able to handle this and um, I think they will be pretty convincing in, in winning. Rob?
1: Yeah, I agree, sometimes in this country we like to play the underdog card, but you know, it's our job, to be honest, too. And on paper, it certainly looks like a comfortable Irish win.
0: OK.
2: I think with a full house in Dublin, uh, and I think Robbie's point is, is very salient, you, you can bring in... You can lose one or two looters and you can plug those gaps, but when you lose a, a whole raft of them and bring in a lot of other guys who might be quality players but don't have that leadership experience, away from home, in front of a big crowd, against a very, very good Irish side... Uh, if Ireland would lose that game, it would be a disaster. That's the, that's the other way of looking at it. Okay. So I think it's, it's definitely uh, Ireland to win. OK.
0: Well, on that note, a reminder of the weekend's fixtures at large. So it does get underway with that game in Dublin. Ireland against Wales is a 2.15 kick-off. And then our live game, which we're very much looking forward to, we'll chat about it shortly, Scotland against England at Murrayfield. Uh, Saturday, 4 o'clock. Join us on Virgin Media One and the Virgin Media Player as well. And then the Sunday game, the French will get things underway in Paris against the Italians. 3 o'clock kickoff on the Sunday. Okay, that's Ireland and Wales done. Next up, our live game on the Saturday promises much. Eddie Jones and England travel to Murrayfield. We're going to chat England Scotland next.
6: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
0: Now, you're very welcome back. So we're going to turn to our live game on Saturday. For Eddie Jones, the Six Nations has been a boom or bust kind of deal. Six tournaments as a coach. He's won it three times, but he's finished fifth twice. Here he is on the 2022 edition.
6: I think as a coach, you know, one of the things I've probably learned over the the last period of time is is you've got to keep quite an even temperament. Um, I'm ready. We've done some good preparation as a coaching team. We've still got a relatively new coaching team now. We've done some good preparation. We've got some good ideas for the Scotland game. Uh, We want to continue on some of the work we did in autumn. But keep adding to our game and it's an opportunity every day for us to get a little bit better. Uh, well, I think every game for England's got plenty of spice in them. It. Yeah, it's like going to the Indian restaurant and and you know you look down the menu and the one that's got the the four four chilies next to us is the spiciest one. If that was you looking down the Six Nations at, at games, it's always the one that England's in. Yeah, everyone wants to beat England. Uh, we know that people don't particularly like England as a as a rugby team. So. Yeah, we enjoy that that challenge and we're after them, mate. We're going after them. We're going after the other team. So, yeah, we had a poor Six Nations last year. Uh, well, we're a very young team, mate, and we're only going to get better, you know, and I, I can palpably feel the excitement in the players. Yeah, you know, we've got good competition. You know, Marcus has obviously got a bit of a head start, but, you know, you can be caught. And then the 12 and 13, again, we'll just have to wait and see who who comes through. But we've got a good group of players there that are going to compete hard. There we are, never dull. Let's have a look at the
0: team's pick because Eddie Jones has said this is his third team. He had the 2015 World Cup team. He had his World Cup 19 team. This is his third team is how he's presenting this. So here are his forwards, Alan. Yeah, the... They're lacking a little bit of
3: that power. You no know, Funapola's in there. A um, couple of injuries, but Atogues is, 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 you know, central to, the, to how they play and perform and get, invo- um, you know, their physical presence. Sekwe, a really good player as well, joins him the second. I think Ludlam um, has been playing brilliant for Northampton. A couple of caps, uh, really dynamic. And Simmons, I think, you know, Eddie Jones left him out for long enough. He's now starting for England. Uh, Tom Curry. Uh, What a player at number seven, I think he caps in the side. And then, you know, Cowan Dickey, Genge, Sinclair, pretty dynamic as well. So, he doesn't have the same physical kind of presence and look in the last couple of years, but still a very, very good pack of forwards.
0: Rob, this English backline, four of the players here have 10 caps or less.
1: Yeah, it's inexperienced, isn't it? And he's mid-World Cup cycle, he's trying to build a new squad, and sometimes the best way to do that is when you're enforced to change your team through injuries. Marcus Smith is the big eye-catching one there. His form for Harlequins this season has been superb. Very exciting, attacking player. Elliot Daly coming back in. He hasn't played in the centre for England for a few years. Now he did play there for the British and Irish Lions over the summer. Slade enables them to have that second playmaker. And in the back three, Max Malin has been scoring a huge amount of tries in the Premiership. Stewart, big, strong, powerful man very strong in the air.
0: He's durable. He's solid. Yeah. So how highly do you rate this English team then? Solid.
1: <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's probably unfair because it's still very much in the unknown. So we don't really know what we're going to get from England.
3: That, that is the one thing before the Six Nations was the unknown a little bit. And I think he's taking the pressure off himself, Eddie Jones, saying we're young and we're going to get better. And you know,
0: mm. I think he's it's a classic way to buy time. It is, yeah. But I, <laughs>
3: look, I think there'll be pressure. Scotland will be rubbing their hands together to, to get them. They beat him in Twickenham last year. But you know, Freddie Stewart for me is is six foot five, hundred and seven or eight kilos. Really exciting young player, uh, playing really well for Leicester this year. I think he's a real real asset to him at okay. full-back and a real presence. But Elliot Daly at thirteen, I don't know what you think, Rob. I just don't think he's a 13 and he struggled in the lines over the summer when they played him there. So I think they still have their issues. No Tua Lange, um, Underhill, Courtney Laws, Johnny Hill. Mm. number of big names out
2: themselves. Watkins, May, Farrell. Like they've lost a lot of, play- of high-quality players.
0: The key attraction for everybody when they sit down <clears throat> on Saturday to watch this game with us is Marcus Smith at 10. Mm. So there's, there's a real sense that at 22, a star is about to be born here.
2: There's no doubt in the young man's quality. He, he, he's, a, he's a class act. And he's shown that um, in club. Now, club is very, very different. We've, and the English Premiership love to talk themselves up, but Leinster and, and Munster have shown where the English club competition really is. So we, we've got to take that in, in, with a grain of salt. But he did play exceptionally well when he got his opportunity in November. There is no doubt in the young man's talent. I wonder... On the other side of things, what the great defensive minds in the Six Nations are going to do to try and nullify that talent. Mm. So, Hamish Watson on Saturday, the, the Scottish number number seven, excellent player, had a, a mammoth game in Twickenham last year. I wonder if he is going to be given some sort of role to try and terrorise Smith sure. as as a good seven would love to do. Mm. There's no doubt in the young man's talent, but can he bring it out consistently with, with the team that's around him now? Now, you put in Farrell and all these other guys, that's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. So I think I, I, I'm not doubting his talent again. Mm. I think it's a fascinating view. Rob, for people who haven't maybe watched him in the Premiership,
0: we're talking about a very exciting player, flair player, great skill set. How would you describe him for, for people about to see him for the first time properly here? Yeah,
1: I, I think as a rugby player... To be considered an exceptional rugby player, you want to be a triple threat. So that means you're a superb passer of the ball, a superb kicker and a superb runner. And you can choose any time of a game to do one of those three. He's a triple threat. He can do all three superbly well. I think he's become a little bit more pragmatic over the years in terms of he makes really good decisions at good times of a game. Mm. Paul Gustard uh, coached him for a couple of years. At Harlequins, he obviously has a real defensive background to him. He seems to have learned a huge amount from him as a coach. So I'm really excited by watching him. That matchup between him and Finn Russell
0: is going to be box office. Sold. (laughs) Uh, Scotland then, they're a bit more settled. Not as much change as the English uh, personnel. A bizarre fourth-place finish last year. You finish fourth, which is not good. You win in Paris, you win in well, London, which is exceptional. So make sense of this bunch for us. It's, it's, they're so unpredictable, and
3: I think that's what frustrates Gregor Townsend, probably Scottish uh, people the most. That last game in Paris, they, it was crazy. The way they played, their attack, their, when they get confident, when the passes start sticking. Um, Finn Russell, when he's going well, Things seem to happen around him, you know, they have a lot of threats. Van der Merwe is a big threat in the wing for him. Superb back row. But the question mark about Scotland at times is can they sustain that physical presence, that kind of aggressive nature that you need and that power up front? And I think that's where the issues have been for, for, for Scotland over the years. But You don't see that changing? Well, Johnny Gray comes back into the side. Now, there's only two changes. Rory Sutherland comes in for Schumann, but you know, a little bit of a mixed bag in, in November. They they very good win against Australia, but I just thought against South Africa, they struggle physically um, and that can be an issue. And that's where you will target Scotland. You'll say, right, give them time and space and they can be very dangerous, but let's go after them up front. Uh, easier said than done. And I think that's an area where he'd love to strengthen and have more power. They're very abrasive. And Watson, um, Fagerson's a really good number eight as well, but I just think that's the area for them, getting consistency. They were dreadful against Japan in November.
2: And, and that's the mental side of it, Quinny. They, they, they tend to get in front of themselves all the time. Like They have that, that great win, and then they start talking themselves up, and, and then they fall down again. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they just don't seem to have a really hard-nosed leader in there that's saying, that's not good enough, we've got to keep fighting, we've got to keep working, we've got to keep getting better... They, they win a game, they say, we're great. And they seem to take the pressure off themselves and then they come and lose. But in simple terms,
3: Matt, the biggest problem the tight five. Yeah. Okay. You know, that, that platform, they haven't had it consistently. Well,
0: that's trickier to change. Well, Scotland versus England, it is our live match this weekend. Join us. We'll be on the air from 4 o'clock on Saturday, Virgin Media 1 for all the build up from Murray Field. And then highlights, of course, as well, 7 o'clock on Sunday evening on Virgin Media 2 and the Virgin Media player as well. So, last but uh, most certainly not least in our chat will be the French. Favorites in many people's eyes, no championship title for the French in over a decade, but this is a rejuvenated setup. Will this be their year? Now, you're very welcome back. So, as we preview this year's Six Nations, the favourites in most people's eyes are the French, and I think in uh, your eyes as well, fellas, they are the favourites. And of late, Fabien Galtier figures the best thing to do is to hang out with the French Foreign Legion, which is unusual, Matt. I don't know if you went in for this kind of thing as a
2: coach. Uh, I, I was exposed to it a couple of times. I'm not a fan, but uh, who am I to say that oh, we Picking them to win the championship—it wasn't my cup of tea. We did some things with the Australian S.A.S. Yes, that were very uncomfortable <laughs> for me. But uh, look, they're, they're a great side, and and he's looking at some mental aspects of the game. They've thrown a few games away, and probably tournaments in the last minutes of, of test matches. Um, but this is a fabulous side. Yes, it's it's brilliantly organised, brilliantly put together by Galtier. And I think this is their this is their year.
0: Yes, well, we'll come to the brilliance in a second. But you want to pay homage to Sean Edwards, who's gone in there. I wasn't sure how they would take to Edwards. I, you just imagine when yeah. he first went in, would they look at each other and say, "This isn't for us." But they seem to have really bought into yeah, what he brought. Yeah, they have. And what made party. it
3: easier for him was Rafael Ibanez, who he, play, he played with and coached, and wasps, and Ibanez is the manager. So I think he was gung ho on getting Sean Edwards. I just think he's—he's. it's all about work rate, not just the defensive structure and being aggressive, which obviously is his primary job, but I think he's improved the French around their work rate, their ability to get back off their feet, to stay focused in attack Mm -hmm. and in in defence. And even though they're still prone to making mistakes and letting in a few tries, I just think it's made a difference to them overall. Mm -hmm. Their work rate has dramatically improved.
1: I think historically with this French team, you see two different teams when they have the ball, They're all, everyone's up, ready to go. They want to attack from everywhere. And then at periods of the game when they don't have the ball, shoulders down, start walking a bit lazy. For me, that's what Sean Edwards has changed. changed. It's the same team, both sides of the ball now, be it the attacking or defending.
0: Mm. Well, the only thing missing for them on their journey towards the World Cup is to win the Six Nations. They've had a blow-up somewhere each year. Now, all of you, and we're going to bring our predictions up here, reckon this is their year so we'll have a look we asked Rob and Matt and Alan to pick on a few different categories and for champions
2: we were unanimous France all the way so why Matt Um, I just feel that they've they've got enough experience under their belt to manage games they've got some really great players not good players great players who are in good form and they have a good draw Mm. and they've been threatening for a few years two years after from a World Cup I just think they're ready to show what they can do
0: Would they manage a Grand Slam was the question and Matt is doubling down he absolutely thinks they will so are you saying Rob Ireland to win in Paris is that what that is?
1: I think Ireland are going to have one away win at least a Grand Slam is a very difficult thing to do nowadays mm. again with the French they have been questioned over the years do they travel mm. away from home as good as they've,
3: they've three played. at home and two away Wales and Scotland I just think they're going to Come unstuck in one of those games. Yeah, and they blew in Murrayfield two years ago badly. Of, yeah.
0: yeah.
3: If they don't, well, they're a different side and they've they've um, got control of that bit of a mental
0: barrier. Yeah,
2: depends on their progress, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's whether they it yeah. progress, and we hope they do.
0: The Achilles heel of this tournament, unfortunately, is that there's no prizes handed out for getting the wooden spoon winner. So, can Italy get a win? is the question mark over them coming into 2022 once again. Player of the tournament, interesting. We had two names amongst the three. He surprises no one. And then you reckon Tyke Furlong might swoop in, Alan? I think the front row, uh, the way he's played uh, as a front row forward,
3: phenomenal, um, world-class. And I just think Ireland are going to go pretty well in this tournament. And he's going to be, um, you know, he comes up with standout performances and I think he's a great chance of it.
1: There's no doubting that he's gonna have a superb Six Nations. Sometimes the only problem with these things is that he'll only play 60, 65 minutes some of the time. And that can always come against you when they're throwing these
0: awards out at the end of the campaign. Okay, Uh, one to watch. Always a nice category to get your thoughts on. So give us your thoughts then. You can start us off with Jaminé, Rob.
1: Yeah, we we were asked to select someone with with less than 10 caps. Jaminé, I think he's maybe played five times hugely exciting. He's a small man, but he's strong. He's electric. His kicking stats are superb. I think he's someone who could potentially have a very big impact on this tournament.
2: Okay, Matt? I just think uh, this young man, Garibuzi, he's he's moved to Montpellier in the top 14 in France. He's played exceptionally well. Montpellier, a second in the championship at the moment. They've come up from the bottom. He's had a big hand in that. And I I just think he's growing. And I think like... When Italy had a good 10 back in the day with Dominguez, they really became competitive. I think if they can get competitive, they need a good 10, mm. and he's an exciting young man. Alan,
3: yeah, I picked 10 Basham for Wales, even though I think Wales are struggling in this tournament. But he's uh, an incredibly exciting open side, and Dombrandt, who's been scoring a lot of tries for for Harlequins, really physical, great footballer as well. I picked two of them, two back row, surprise, surprise, and I just think they they could do re- really well individually in this tournament.
0: And then top try scorer, I suppose the short version here is we're expecting France to be good fun once again. So, Dupont
2: and Penhau, it probably will be a Frenchman. I, I if if they fulfill their potential. Yes. If it's great it's going to be great to watch. There's going to be a great championship I think.
1: Yeah, it is. We're all very excited about it. Yeah. We're excited to have Full capacity stadiums back as well because that has an impact on the quality of rugby that's been played. Mm. It's tough playing games in an empty stadium. So, I think as viewers, we're going to enjoy the whole tournament an awful lot more. There's a lot of subplots in there French are playing superb, Irish are playing superb. We don't know what to expect from England and And, the others. we're, We're all
3: tipping France, but. Let's not be surprised if Ireland are there, thereabouts. Um, I don't think they'll be a Grand Slam winner, but I think they could be there, thereabouts and and don't write them off completely, even though France were tipping France at the
2: moment. They are playing the other last bit. There's so many teams playing really positive rugby. Yes. Which hasn't been the case for a number of years. The the rushing defence has dominated and we've seen a change. Let's hope that keeps doing, because that's exciting.
0: It sure is. Well, we'll get the ball rolling 4 o'clock this Saturday. We're in Virgin Media 1 for all the build-up from Murrayfield as Scotland take on England. And then, of course, highlights of all the weekend's action is on Virgin Media 2 from 7 o'clock on Sunday evening and on the Virgin Media player as well. My thanks to Rob and to Matt and to Alan. So the next few weeks, as always, promise much. The Six Nations generally delivers. Ireland, Wales, Scotland, England. We'll see you Saturday. it off to Keith Earls and he's got space to run into, steps off his left,
1: goes for the line, that's a stunning try for Earls!
5: Saxon with a crossfield kick,
1: looking to get Earls in around the back and coming onto it is headshot.